This week on Moments That Matter, Dr. Paul Schatzberger introduces us to his new book of the same name, Moments That Matter. In fact, he refers to it as the companion book to this podcast. You'll certainly want to listen to these episodes surrounding the book, but also secure a copy of his latest work for yourself. The details are listed here in the description, as well as a link to both the print and Kindle version. Let's jump in and hear his inspiration for the book, along with his gift of storytelling on display. Welcome back to Moments That Matter. Thanks for tuning in for this exciting episode. Today, we're kicking off a really exciting change of direction in this season's podcast as we turn inward to interview one of our own. Uh, We do greatly enjoy the weeks that we have the privilege of interviewing authors who have impacted us deeply, but today we get to interview the most revered one of all. My pro-host, Dr. Paul Schadzberger, just released his second book, Moments That Matter, a natural result of this podcast or maybe vice versa. We'll get to that in a moment. However, I have heard it said the greatest gift someone can give to another is that of themselves. I feel like this book is Paul's gift of himself to humanity. Uh, Truly in the acknowledgement in the beginning of the book, he writes, this book is written from my memories of conversations with the people who have shaped my life. I'm grateful for all of them. And I think many could say the same about him, including myself. The wisdom that he has gained throughout his life is invaluable And those who heed his words are all the better for it. So let us not delay any longer. First things first, welcome Dr. Paul Schatzberger, author of Moments That Matter. Thank you, Reverend Scott Williams. You know, it's great. We're talking about moments that matter on moments that matter. And the natural question is, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, I am... Uh, referring to this as the companion book <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'll try to be very quick about this because not not to bore our listeners, but uh, the two are intertwined. Let's let's say um, January 2019, I was giving a book talk uh, for my first book choices, and uh, that you know it was just me saying what the process was and that sort of thing and what what's in the book, and then we had questions and answers afterward, and uh, our mutual friend, Jonathan Searcy, asked me, uh, well, you know, this is, you know, a little bit of you and a lot of the Bible, you know, will we see a, a book about you and your stories? And at that point, I said, I think my life is too boring to, to devote a book to it. But as I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, I, I had become convinced that storytelling is important. And so, well, what more challenging story <laughs> could I possibly tell than my own? So uh, that was working together with uh, having read Parker Palmer's book that we refer to so much on this podcast, um, Let Your Life Speak. And I had been very impressed with this concept of the Clearness Committee. And, uh, but, you know, the, the clearness committee in his tradition is uh, something kind of actually lengthy. It's, it's hours of time spent with people who are older and wiser and asking you questions and everything about this direction in your life. I came to just understand that some of these things happen to us in a moment, um, either circumstances or a person talking to us, or uh, we feel God speaking to us directly. And in a moment, literally, our life can change and the direction of our life can change. And so when you and I started talking about doing this podcast, 
uh, we were kicking around names, and that's the first that I ever put down the words moments that matter uh, as one of the choices. And then as soon as I said it, it was just like, yeah, actually, that, that probably should be it. So it was a little bit of everything. Um, and in the process of, of that, of coming up with a name and deciding on the podcast and everything else like that, that's when I was really sort of downloaded what the book would be. Uh, literally, I was sitting at home a Saturday morning, and I felt like God just gave me all the stories. Just It just kind of all flooded in in like 30 minutes. And I, so I wrote an outline, and then that became the book, and then somehow we started a podcast. So it's it's very much all intertwined, and it's difficult to say chicken or egg for either one of those. I would agree. And, and just kind of seeing the evolution as it unfolded in your mind was brilliant to watch. And for our listeners who have not yet read the book, uh, which I know you'll get very soon, uh, the book is beautifully written from a, a storytelling perspective. And it almost feels like sitting down with you at lunch and just having a chat. And it's so relatable and it's so friendly. And um, it makes me wonder when we talk about the genesis of the book. Was it your first book that prompted you to write this one? Um, or had you had some ideas about this even before you wrote your first book? Well, I was joking about this book, calling it Choices 2, uh, because I couldn't think of anything better. And when I actually felt like I got that outline for the book in September 2019, I was using the word choices a lot. Uh, choices and decisions and everything else like that. Uh, but there is a place that, that I uh, just happened to mention, moments. And so I think initially it was going to be a little bit more of the same uh, as the first book. And then just as time went on, it became more and more personal and more and more personal and, and sort of a personal challenge to be able to tell some of these stories in an interesting way so that it's not just, you know, well, that's your life, you know, but, but it, it is actually relatable and uh, hopefully people get something out of it for themselves uh, in their moments that matter. So here we are, uh, two books in that you have authored and then contributed tremendously, uh, edited this third brilliant academic work. Um, did you ever have in your mind this thought I would love to be an author. I would love to uh, write books on any kind of topic or, or, or write any work. Did that occur prior to uh, your first choices? That occurred as early as uh, 10th grade in high school. Wow. I, I wrote a novelette, okay, and nobody knows this, so I'm telling everybody for the first time. <laughs> um, I had just been to... Hawaii with my parents, and we visited Pearl Harbor. And I found Pearl Harbor to be absolutely fascinating, the whole history of it and everything else like that. And there had been a movie uh, about that same time uh, talking about, like, time travel, you know, and, and, uh, and Pearl Harbor and that sort of thing. And, I, and that just kind of intrigued me. So uh, the idea was that somebody goes back in time in order to warn everybody um, about the attack, but nobody believes them. So, uh, but this is, I mean, it was an extensive work and it was taken from life. You know, I had been over there and so I knew the hotels and the different landmarks and, and that sort of thing. So 
I just worked all of that in, and uh, yeah, so I did that in tenth grade. I don't know if I saw myself as publishing that or actually publishing anything, um, but you know, the opportunity just presented itself with choices. That was actually more of a compilation of teachings and sermons and stuff like that that I had done, especially in Ukraine. And so, like I said, that opportunity just kind of presented itself. So this book is a new idea. It's, it's not something I had ever contemplated, uh, you know, doing anything even slightly autobiographical. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a step, and I hope to get better and better at, at storytelling. Well, it's so good. And you mentioned the magic word, autobiographical. Um, would you say that Moments That Matter classifies as an autobiography, or is it meant to be a little bit more? Well, it's definitely a selective autobiography. I, I sort of like um, C.S. Lewis, I guess, um, in his, you know, joy book that he wrote. Uh, you know, people have noted how many things he left out and, uh, and how he told particular stories and left others out. I, I did the same thing. I, I picked up with basically high school, and I dropped off after um, – our time in Ukraine as missionaries. Uh, but in between, I mean, I could, I could list, I don't know how many stories that I just simply decided not to include. It's, uh, I, I wanted to follow the theme, you know, moments that matter and the clearness committee and, and that sort of thing. So I really wanted things that I could point to and say specifically, uh, this was one of those moments. And, and, you know, I try to include things that are, I would say, uh, inspirational in terms of decision making, but also pretty tragic in terms of decision making and uh, things that, you know, where I was really, uh, it was obvious that God was in this and other times where it, it was obvious he wasn't, but I wasn't aware of it. Uh, so, so just trying to, again, have it be relatable enough uh, that, yeah, I mean, I hope it is more than just an autobiography. Goodness. I, I hope it, uh, means something, you know, obviously it's going to mean different things for different stages of life. Um, so if you're in college and you're facing a lot of, you know, decisions about the future and that sort of thing, it'll mean one thing. But if you are a little bit older, uh, you'll look back sort of like I'm looking back and you'll kind of recognize these moments that, you know, yeah, okay, I, I really... I felt like I was I was following God's leading, or I was really paying attention, you know, to what was going on. And then other times you were like, "Wow, yeah, I I was pretty clueless about that." And I definitely include the clueless stories in there. Well, that's it's well said because I think um, I read part of myself into that story, and I think any reader will in the moments that were transformative, and that thread that you weave through the tapestry of the book, which is through the tapestry of your life. Uh, that there were these seasons where there were uh, times and then redirections and then uh, maybe what was unexpected coming up. And I think I can read a lot of myself into those uh, sort of situations, not that they unfolded the exact same way, but that the outcome was very similar. And I, I think uh, our readers are going to appreciate that uh, so very much. Uh, well, how about giving us an overview of some of the stories in the book? Uh, where do they begin and end and what was included uh, maybe a few highlights. Well, a big part of my story is the Navy. And so the reason that I start in high school 
is because that's when, you know, kind of my, my, I call it my father's dream, came to fruition, uh, which is getting an NROTC scholarship and then, you know, heading off to college at Chapel Hill, uh, and then following along with the service, the active service, and then, you know, infant reserves, and finally teaching, and, and that sort of thing. So uh, that's, that's why I start in high school. Um, I have a, a story in there uh, that seems unrelated, you know, just about a girlfriend in high school. But uh, as you get into it, you understand this very much affected uh, what was happening in terms of that dream about the Navy and where I was going to go to college and, and that sort of thing in, in a way that, I mean, really convinces you that God can redeem any decision that we make uh, because he just completely took something that I, I don't know, I just was acting on instinct like a high schooler would, and, uh, and he just turned it around and made it something the best that it possibly could be, which is amazing. Um, so I would say if there's a huge theme, it's about dreams, actually. And uh, so we start off with my father's dream about me being in the Navy, uh, and then it kind of transforms into my dream, uh, which is teaching, and then ultimately an academic career. And that led then to Ukraine and the seven years that uh, my family and I spent as missionaries in Ukraine. So I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a connected whole and that it has a definite beginning and a definite end. Some people would want other things necessarily, you know, like included um, and things before and things after, but I was really striving for, you know, the, the dream, the change in the dream, the new dream, that kind of thing. That's, that's uh, where those stories come from. You mentioned that there was a sort of a process of weeding out some of the stories that you could have included in there. Um, what did you have to do to keep that line hard and fast uh, to make sure that the stories you did choose aligned with the vision you had for the, the book? Well, I, you know, I'll say, you know, for any kind of writing, it doesn't matter what you're talking about, fiction, nonfiction, if you're talking about academic writing, um, you've got to be ruthless with yourself. If you're not, it's just self-serving, and it's, it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do anything. Um, so you have to constantly be criticizing yourself, you know, and, and is this good enough? Could it be better? Is it even necessary? And I don't know if there's anything I've ever worked on in my life, you know, from an article to a book that I haven't come back to it at some point and just hacked out <laughs> a whole section um, because either it wasn't very well written or it wasn't pertinent uh, or something, you know, it just wasn't really contributing uh, to the whole thing. So, uh, in that sense, I guess I've had a lot of practice in my life, uh, especially as an academic, you know, for the last almost 30 years. Um, and, you know, I feel like I'm pretty good at that now. I can, I can really look sort of dispassionately <laughs> at my own stuff and, and know when it's working and when it's not working. Um, but, but I just encourage anybody who, who is, you know, thinking about being a writer in any capacity, um, you just you can't depend on others all the time to tell you that something is appropriate, something's not appropriate, something's important, something's not important. 
uh, you also have to be able to look at your own stuff and, and make those kinds of judgments. And it's not easy, but it's important. Would you say that wisdom comes with time? The more you write and the more you experience the process, maybe the freer you are. Yes, the freer you are. Uh, and and uh, the the reason that you're freer, I think, is just that, you know, once you're published, there is kind of this relaxation that happens. Um, so certainly that was the case with, like, maybe my first couple of articles, okay, I can do this, you know, so I can be a little bit more uh, choosy and picky and, you know, in terms of what I write. And the same thing with, you know, the first book uh, being accepted. And, and so, okay, you know, I've, I've done that, you know, that was a, that was actually a big goal. Um, and now I can kind of uh, choose the topic and, and choose the content and, and even choose the outlet, you know, choose the publisher. That's great. Now, I know that our listeners have recognized this, and I've heard you, uh, even at the genesis of this podcast, talk a lot about Parker Palmer's book, Let Your Life Speak, Listening for the Voice of Vocation. A couple questions about that. First of all, when were you drawn to that book? And second, why were you drawn to that book? What stood out about that book that uh, captured you so greatly? Well, if... uh... If our listeners were tuning in to the podcast about care, and we had a whole bunch of people together uh, talking about care in all of its various forms, uh, in, and in particular how it relates to the book you know, that I edited and their contributions to it, um, you were listening to, without even knowing it, a bunch of rabid Parker Palmer fans um, who just are completely devoted to him. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, before I got involved with them, I had never even heard of Parker Palmer. And I, I feel just like I'm not even an educator, you know, now um, for having not known about him. He's, he's been writing for a long time. And he's got some real classics, uh, like The Courage to Teach is a classic in education. Uh, but this particular book, I don't know, it's just really intriguing because – uh, as with my hope, you know, for moments that matter, uh, it's just so relatable, all of his stories, and you can see yourself uh, in his stories, and he's also just super vulnerable. Uh, he, he, there's no pretense to what he writes, and so, I, you know, I think I was inspired on a couple of different, you know, levels, I guess, you know, for myself, that my story matters, that's, that's one uh, part of it, but also the other part is uh, just being inspired to um, kind of follow that model and and uh, highlight the things that he highlights, uh, and maybe actually even make a bigger deal out of uh, some things, like for instance those clearness committees. That's that's almost kind of a throw off for him. Uh, you know, it's just oh, by the way, there are these things, and you know, and I went before a committee like this, and this happened. But for me, that became a very deep thing. Um, and again, if, if uh, anyone has been listening to our podcast for any amount of time, um, you heard the Chatham Rabbits uh, who we interviewed and talking about that this still goes on, you know, and they were getting, the man and woman are getting ready to be married and uh, they had to go before a clearness committee. And uh, it's, it can be, 
quite intimidating as, as, as I, as I understand from them. Um, so uh, there's, there's, I, there's a lot that speaks to me about the book. And then there's also a lot that I felt like could be built upon uh, for my book. And so it was just, it was just nice timing. You know, it came along basically spring, summer of 2019. And that was just about the time that I needed it to come along. Um, and then that prompted, you know, the thoughts about the book and also the thoughts about the podcast. I think that's one of my favorite unintentional podcast stories when we discovered the Chatham Rabbits <laughs> own clearness committee that was uh, so descriptive. So obviously Parker Palmer gave you a framework to look back and sort of reinterpret the events of your life. Do you see that same clearness committee principle being active in the present in maybe a newer way than once before? I hope so. I mean, um, I suppose that people who were younger, and especially than me, but just people who are younger, uh, might think that, you know, you get to a settled point in your life and, you know, everything's figured out and you're just kind of skating along. And uh, I would just remind everybody that I was called to the mission field when I was in my mid-40s and married with a 13-year-old son and really ensconced, I mean really ensconced, and, uh, you know, our, we had a great life, at least on the outside. And so I think that these kinds of moments uh, happen all the time. And if we're open to them, I mean, there's really no limit. I don't think there's an age limit on <laughs> this kind of uh, insight or understanding or revelation or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that God allows in our lives. So, um, you know, hearing from God directly, hearing from God through someone else, hearing from God through our circumstances, um, you know, if, if we're paying attention, and, and that's, I say in the book, you know, if there's anything that I think I've actually gotten better at as I've gotten older is just simply paying attention. I don't always act in faith, and I don't always act as quickly as I should, uh, in terms of things that are revealed to me, but I do feel like that I'm seeing those things a little bit more clearly and certainly than I was when I was younger. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the, for those who know you, one of the most compelling character traits that you possess is your softness of heart to what the Lord is directing and then your willingness and obedience uh, to whatever he has called. And I think for me, the book itself almost served as a clearness committee as I was reading through things and, and processing through my life, even presently through your eyes and, and, and looking back in those stages of your life. And so to me, in a way, it was almost serving as a clearness committee and giving confirmation that it's okay to be redirected and it's okay to ask questions and uh, giving a freedom and a, uh, you know, even permission to consider uh, the changes that happen in our seasons and vocations. Um, maybe if you could do us this favor, could you possibly read an excerpt uh, from your book that would help us understand uh, a connection with Parker Palmer? Yeah, well, as I mentioned, um, you know, a big theme of the book is, is dreams and changing dreams. And I don't know, honestly, for how many people their parents' dream is 
the dominant dream that they grow up with. I, I think that there are some very uh, well-defined people who even at an early age know what they can do and what they want to do. Um, I was not one of those people. And so uh, my, my dad had a, you know, a very strong opinion about you know, where I could go and what I could do and what my dream would be and everything else like that. And it was only much later that I discovered that, you know, no, actually that's, that's not really even anywhere near my comfort level or gifting or anything else. So this is just a passage from uh, kind of uh, where that transition happened uh, between my father's dream and my dream. What I didn't know, but which proved to be God's grace in my life, was that in North Carolina at that time, once you graduated with an education degree, you were initially certified to teach for five years. So as I approached the end of my mandatory four years of service in the Navy following college, I still had one year left on my certification. However, because I would have to recertify after the remaining year, I knew I would need some courses for renewal credit. As it was in the summer between getting off of active duty and starting a teaching job, I found myself back at UNC Chapel Hill taking two graduate level courses. One of the classes was a curriculum course taught by a professor I had had as an undergraduate. Surprisingly, I was now related to this man in some vague way because my wife's sister had married one of his sons. We got along famously, and he recognized I had some kind of aptitude for his subject. On the last day of classes, we were walking out of the education building together, and quite unexpectedly, he turned to me and said matter-of-factly, you know what you should do? Go get your master's somewhere and then come back here and get your PhD in curriculum and instruction. This was the first of my clearness committee moments in this particular sojourn. I had barely thought about getting a master's degree, but I never even considered a doctorate. It all seemed so fantastic and something quite out of my reach, yet this professor believed I could do it. As with Mary's reaction to Jesus staying behind in Jerusalem as a boy, I treasured my professor's words, pondering them in my heart. And as I did, I realized that getting a PhD was not only a dream, it was a new dream, my dream, one to replace my father's dream of a Navy career. Thanks for listening to Moments That Matter, a podcast that looks at the moments in our lives that come along from time to time that have consequences long after the moment especially those moments that have to do with the choice of vocation. In his book, Let Your Life Speak, Listening for the Voice of Vocation, Parker Palmer speaks of a clearness committee in the Quaker tradition, wherein a group of older, wiser people ask questions of someone considering a life choice as a way of clarifying the next step. We may not meet with a committee about these big decisions, but we all have these critical junctures in our lives, which we can think of as clearness committee moments. We need to pay attention to these moments because they are profound and potentially life-altering. We'll relay stories from our lives and interview others about theirs, especially noting the clearness committee moments, those we choose to recognize and those that were sadly ignored, those decisions that were made with God in mind and those that were not. Our hope is that these podcasts will cause you to think of the same kind of moments in your life with new clarity.